Come on, let's give Jesus some praise. If you love Jesus, come on, Bay Church. You do it at home, too. We can see you. Hey, we're glad you've joined us wherever you've joined us from. We're on like four platforms or 40 platforms. I'm not really sure, but wherever you're joining us from, whether it's YouTube or our whatever it is. Hey, we're glad that you're here. Right and uh, listen, just because we're like physically distant doesn't mean that we're socially distant right. from each other right, right. now. And so, um, listen, if you're discouraged, I want to put you on to a podcast of my pastor Peter's pastor. Chris Hodges is his name. From, um, from a church in Alabama called Highlands Church. Uh, he's one of the main art guys. And he just did a, uh, I think he's doing a two-part sermon series about something about caves. So just go find it and it will bring encouragement to your soul. He's actually talking about depression right now. And so I just really want to, to point you in that direction. And hey, I just want to give you a, a, a huge, um, uh, give out a huge, like, praise Jesus for Pastor Aaron's sermon last week. Yeah. Which was like, yeah. and and, uh, and thank you once again for everybody who texted me during that sermon, who texted me during online church and asked what I was doing preaching. Thank you. We're not friends anymore, but you can be friends with her because everybody's friends with her anyways. But man, did the Holy Spirit not use her to blow your mind last week? I'm talking about watching from the window or actually getting down on the street. And uh, listen, down on the street is where the party is, Menu Church. And so that's, uh, that's what we're into. We love, uh, we love church. We love kind of... Uh, um, high challenge, high fun. And that's what we do. And if that's a life for you, man, you need to uh, get somebody involved in that life and bring them along with you. And so um, even right now, send them out uh, and invite somebody. You got a buddy who's across town or across uh, the country. You know, invite them in here. We'd love to join them. Uh, give a shout out in the chats right now and just be like, hey, I'm, you know, Chad from Saskatchewan. Hey, we love you, Chad. We're, we're, Venue Church will give you some love. So, hey, this series is called Modern Family. And uh, we've been talking about lying so far. We've been talking about the difference of watching from the window or actually getting down on the street and actually yeah. rolling your sleeves up and, and being vulnerable and getting out there uh, in your life where it matters. And um, listen, I think now for family, whatever your family situation looks like, look, you've got your people. And that's what I'm talking about with family. But I think now, uh, Venue Church, maybe more than any other time in the history of Canada, we are realizing that, uh, listen... It's not a bad realization to come to that the government can't save us and healthcare can't save us and, and your career can't save you and sports can't save you. And uh, Liverpool has let me down this year. I'm not going to lie. Last year was the best year of all time. We, were, we ran away. But this year, I don't know what happened. And I feel like maybe uh, wherever you're joining us from, you don't know what happened this year. <laughs> and, uh, and listen, God is going to speak a word to your soul about, about family, about relationships right now. Um, I'm going to be talking today. Today's sermon is called Family and Church. Family and Church. I think some of us have a misunderstanding of what that looks like. I'm a pastor's kid, so I'm just going to like unload the goods on your life right now. Anybody want to know like what a pastor's kid is really thinking? It's going to be alarming. Um, listen, we have a very unique view on people because we grew up on the inside of church, not just going to church like maybe you did, but on the inside of church leadership. And so we have kind of a unique view. I heard a pastor say he hires as many pastor's kids as he can find because they view the church as like an organism, as like a family. And, and uh, in my lifetime, you know, um, my parents were pastors for 30 years and they're still pastoring here for me for free. Um, but they're just incredible servants of God and you know them and you love them. But what you see as a pastor's kid, sometimes a lot of decision making and a lot of assumptions that families build themselves upon. And then you also get the advantage 
of watching what that looks like in the next 20 or 30 years too, and watching what that family's decision and that when a dad says this, this is what it turns into. And so I'm just, are you ready for some behind the scenes stuff today? Um, when family and church are working together, it's like an athlete that can't stop winning. You think about it when family and church are like hand in hand working together. It's like an athlete that just can't stop winning. Um, God wants you addicted to movement and to, into winning, into, into bearing fruit. That's what he's looking for in your life. Now, I've been watching um, that show. I think it's called Formula One on Netflix. Crickets. <laughs> I'm going to say there's a bit of language in there. So, you know, watch it muted or whatever. Um, it's not as bad as some of the places where I used to work and some of the people that, uh, you know, I used to work around, not nearly that bad, of course, but it's talking about formula one racing. And it's funny how there's really, really two or three top, top teams there every single year. And I think it's the Mercedes driver who just broke uh, Schumacher's record, I think. And it's just like, he can't stop winning. And I'm thinking to myself that, that you have to have two things. You have to have the person who can do it like the athlete, but you also need the car. Yes, you do. And so when, when family and church are working together, it's like this incredible winning combo. And the devil is trying to get, listen, the driver out of the car. Right. And so if you can do that, uh, he's going to do something in your life. And, and, but have you ever, um, do we got any athletes in the house? Yeah. Who's going to raise their, yeah, right there. Yeah. In my amen corner of 15 people, right right. of 14 people, because that would be too many. So, so in, in an athlete, have you ever had like an injury as an athlete? You know, I've done, um, I used to play a lot of volleyball. I know it doesn't look like it. <laughs> what? You did well. Amen corner. Seriously, I'm giving you all five bucks each to be here. <laughs> and you're going to laugh me. No, I just made that up. You're not getting money. Um, you know, I've done my feet and my ankles a whole bunch of times. And, and when, when you're trying to heal from an injury, like you can't run like you used to run. Right. And I feel like a lot of us right now in, in our life, in COVID, in family, there's something out of, out of place and out of joint. There's something out of alignment. Um, have you ever had ribs go out? Mm -hmm. yeah. I had this happen one time, um, probably a bunch of times. And I come from kind of farming stock. And so my dad's attitude was always like, if this doesn't tell you, I'm pointing at my head if you're listening to the audio, if this doesn't tell you you're sick, you're not really sick. Right. So get back to work. We got anybody... Right on, yeah. Come on. Like mind over matter, man. If you don't think you can lift it, you can't lift it. But if you think you can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had ribs out one time I was working up North and I had ribs go out on me and it's Monday. So I tried to get into the chiropractor because I tried to work through it. I always try to work through everything and 90% of the time it works. But sometimes when something's out of alignment, like nothing's working. And so I had ribs go out and, and, and all of a sudden, like everything is painful. I reach over here. It's painful. I can't stand. I can't sit. I can't, I can't. And all of a sudden breathing is start, starting to get painful. And I go to see a chiropractor and she fixes me all up. And then she's like, and you need to take it easy for the next couple of days. Sure. And I'm like, and she goes, where are you going? I'm like, back to work. She's like, no, I said, take it easy. I'm like, it could be harder. Like define. I said, what kind of physical activity are you talking about? She goes like any, I'm like, would, does soccer count? Because I got like a game tonight. And she's like, you are not going to a soccer game tonight. Well, don't ever tell me I'm not doing something. It just doesn't work in my brain. It's the only thing I can, I can do. So, I mean, the next day, Tuesday, I had to go back. 
Because during the soccer game, I messed up more ribs than I had messed up before. And then I'm going there and I'm all, you know, hunched over and I can't, I'm gasping for breath. And she's like, did you go to soccer? And I said, yes, ma'am, I went to soccer. Please fix me up. Where are you going next? I'm like, I got to back to work. Where else am I going? <laughs> hey, sometimes we're like that in family. You know, something gets out of, out of place and out of alignment. Um, and sometimes you just need to work smarter and not harder. When something is out, come on. You need to work smarter in family, not harder. Some, when, when something is out of alignment, sometimes you just need to get it fixed before you go back and try to work the same play that you keep getting quarterback sacked in. And sometimes we just do that. We just keep running the same play, running the same play. I mean, our family has gotten so stuck because I just kept running the same play. It's not working. The devil's tackling us. You just keep running the same play. Well, sometimes when something is out of alignment, and today what we're going to talk about is the alignment between family and church. When you get it right, the devil can't beat you. And so this is what the devil tries to do. He tries to get your family out of alignment with your church. First of all, he tries to get you upset about something. Now, can a pastor's kid preach? So this is what he does. Sometimes, you know, the only way for God to train you is for God to show you that you're not Jesus yet, which means generally failure. And so what I see happening is the devil will try to get into your life so that he can get your family out of alignment with their church, with the local church that God has called you to. I don't think that church is one of those things that you should go shopping for. I think that church is a place that God calls you to. And that's very different. You know, your kids, they don't get to wake up and be like, I'm going to a different family today. You know, like, I'm going to vote myself with new parents who give me ice cream and cake all the time. It's weird. And so, but a pastor's kid, went, church is family. You don't get to like pick up and move to a new family all the time. God, I think has called you to a church, but what happens is the devil tries to get to you. And if he can get to you, he can get to your family. So what happens is, um, see, God is looking for much fruit, but much fruit requires a lot of pruning. I, I have yet to meet a Christian mature enough to really enjoy pruning. It's painful when God's like, hey, you don't need that friend anymore. They're not a good influence on your life. And you're like, thank you, Jesus, for taking that friend away from me. That, I mean, nobody loves it, right? Because pruning is painful. Pruning is painful. But when God wants fruit, and, and, then, and then all of a sudden you start, the devil will start isolating you. That's what happens. He's trying to isolate your family from the church. And, and um, do you ever notice it's easier to think poorly of people when you're not around them? You start creating these little weird things, the little arguments in your head. And when Chad's not around and I'm mad at Chad about something, because Chad's one of my team leads. And then I start having these arguments in my head and Chad gets dumber and dumber and I get smarter and smarter. You know, and people do this to me all the time. By the time they talk to me, they've had 50 arguments with me in their head and pastor real dumb in their head. I'm like, well, no, that's not why we did it. We did it because of this thing. And you don't even know the whole picture. You come in with 2% and you think that you know the, right? And so, you know, if the devil can isolate you and get you at odds with people, then you're going to. Now, the Bible says he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. Yes, right. Well, what if they were hurt? If they're isolating themselves, they're seeking their own desire. Some of us lean more towards that than we should. I'm seeking my own desire. I'm trying to protect, but I'm also seeking my own desire. And so you don't ever let yourself get isolated, but the devil tries to do that. Now, listen, you ready? This is going to blow your mind. Yeah. You, are, you are no threat to the devil isolated from church. Just a mild occasional annoyance, but nothing he can't live with. I've watched this over and over again. I'm going to say it again. You are no threat to the devil isolated from church. Just a mild occasional annoyance, but nothing he can't live with. This is why I watch watch, The devil gets in there. He he gets you, you know, dad. He gets you, mom. He gets you, like, you know, mad at your small group leader. Mad at your pastor because I got tattoos. I don't know why. 
he, he gets you, you upset or, or you, you fail at something and you don't respond quite right. And then the devil starts getting in there and isolating you. You kick your chair back from the table rather than leaning in. Yeah. And so you kick your chair back and you kind of stand up. And then, and then what happens is the devil, he wants your family wandering around the woods, yeah. not part of the army. And so, so if Renee and her family, if the devil can get them isolated, then they'll, they'll go do this thing that a pastor's kid hates when I see it. They'll go do, and they start wandering around with the Warinka family out in the woods somewhere. And then they'll make themselves spiritual bows and arrows. And they'll be like, hey, we're still soldiers of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And the devil's looking out at them, at the Warinkas out there, because it would definitely be them. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. But the devil looks out there, and they've got their spiritual bows and arrows, and they're kind of wandering around lost. But they're of no threat to him. They're not going to tear his kingdom down out there. But the devil will be like, hey, you guys are doing really good out here. And this is what happens there. Are you ready? This is what I see. This is what I see. Um, every now and again, there'll be a little skirmish out there that the devil will let you win. Yeah. Right. Amen. So you think you're still engaged in the fight that you ought to be engaged in. And so what happens is he'll... See, the further you move away from church, the further you move away from your race car, the less the pressure gets. And I watch people do this like, yeah, well, you know, we kind of, you know, I heard it one time, like we sort of gave church the, the flick, whatever that means. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what happens right then? If you're married, your marriage gets a little bit better. The, the, the further you move away, the devil will, why? Because if you're not a threat to him, he doesn't really care about you out there. In fact, he'll take some of the pressure off of your life and he'll let you go. Yep. And he'll actually be like, hey guys, we're going to stay over here and we're going to attack these people because they're the ones hurting me. But these people will lay off of them a little bit. Sure. And all of a sudden the kids seem to be doing better at school for a little bit, for a month. Yeah. And, then, and then all this pressure goes away. But see, for you to, to fulfill any destiny that God has in the lives of your children, your people, your friends, man, you got to be in the army. Yeah. And so every step that you take this way, it's harder... Because you've got to push through all the layers. The devil's trying to keep you out. And you've got to push through all the layers to get here. And then you've got to fight to stay here. And so, but this is initial pressure. You have to learn how to push through as a family and be like, we're not leaving. Because we're not in our destiny yet. And God never told us to go. We just got offended about something, you know. And so, you've got to push through this layer here. But the further you push out, the easier it is now. But one day, the devil's going to get your family by the throat. And believe, I've, all, I've watched this happen so many times. The pressure will ramp up and you'll have nobody to help you out there. Yeah. And so, um, is this good? Yeah, yeah good. <laughs> right on. Now you become dangerous when you become part of the army. You know why? Because armies get rockets. <laughs> and soldiers get tech. Yeah. And grenade launchers. Uh, and giant machine guns. Oh, and yeah. sniper rifles. Yeah. And, and you can call airstrikes in. And, and your general, the Holy Ghost... Can, can cause you to pray for your small group, uh, friends, family, and can call, get you to pray an airstrike in on the devil and what right. the devil is doing in their yeah. home. Right. Because armies get tech. Armies get the investment. Army gets all the good stuff, all the fun stuff to destroy the works of the enemy. Now, you ready? Many Christians fall into the trap of choosing between church and family. As if God can't blend the two perfectly. <laughs> I'm going to explain uh, maybe at the end five times. I'm going to explain a little bit how our family dynamics are a little bit different. But I don't move an inch on this. 
Many Christians fall into the trap of choosing between church and family as if God can't blend the two perfectly. You might have said this or thought this. Can I just give you some like Holy Ghost counsel right now? That when I hear this, I know that something is out of place because if the devil can get you to think that, that you're choosing between what's good for your family and what's good for God's family and the car and the race driver, if the devil can get you to start like being like, oh, but this is not going to be good for my family. Um, as soon as he gets in there, then he starts pulling the driver out of the car. Now, what if it's not an either or scenario? What if it's a both and? What, what if it's a both and scenario? Um, <laughs> the devil's like, hey, you know, like Chad, you're going to have to choose between your church and your family at times. Because God's not smart enough to sort your calendar out for you. He's not capable of doing what an office administrator could do. And we start, under, we start thinking that, oh, but see, as soon as the devil can get you out of that car, then you start thinking that you're the head of the family. Rather than God being the head of the family. Yeah. God being the head of your family too. Because God can coordinate all of these things. You can't do it. But God can do it. And as soon as the devil sees this into your mind. I've just watched it happen with so many, so many families. As soon as they start thinking to themselves like, well, you know, we stay home Sunday morning because that's family time. Wrong. <laughs> you can take your family to church. You know, if I'm God, I'm like. What's family time? Is family time, can I just step on some Canadian toes? Is family time hockey, really? Right. You spend like four, four, you know, four minutes driving them to the arena. Then you sit with somebody else's spouse while your spouse sit with somebody else's spouse in this arena with your other kid. Ooh, yeah. While your kids hang out with other families' kids. Right. Come on. Yeah. And I feel like God is saying like, how is church not the best family time? Right. How is my family not your best family time, too? Yeah. Because you take your kids to church and you show them like, hey, this is how dad gives and this is how mom worships and, yeah. and this is how we do it. And this is, this is why you need to listen to your Sunday school teacher because someday you're gonna, they're going to be your youth teacher and, and someday you're not going to agree with me and I need, them, I need you to listen to somebody. Yeah. Preach that. Come on. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to read this scripture. I'm going to throw the scripture in a little bit earlier than I do in my sermons normally. But I want you to think about this a little differently because Paul the Apostle, he's talking about how the body functions together. But I want you to think about this in a, maybe a broader sense than you have before. I certainly have been doing it this way this week. Because we always think of ourselves like, okay, there's a hand in the body of Christ. That's me. I'm a hand. You know, I love to give. I love to, I'm an eye. I feel like I see what's coming and I, you know. Um, what if, what if it's much broader? What if it's not you being a hand? What if it's your family that's the hand? Uh -huh. that's and... and you're the thumb and you've got kids who are fingers. And what if your family is, is part of a battalion that's part of a bigger body? And, and then it gets much greater because what if venue is a hand in the greater part of the body? And what if we're not just like this isolated little cell trying to fight? What if we're all supposed to be in this multi-layered, beautiful family that's much greater and greater and greater and greater with one person at the head. And if the devil can get you separated from this thing, you're never going to be a threat to him. And he's not really going to bother with you all that much. But your destiny lies in this chain that God has for you. And it's such a beautiful, a powerful thing. First um, Corinthians 12, the human body, Paul says, has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. Does this make sense? Yeah. I hope it makes sense to three of you. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. Or they're saying like some of you own businesses and some of you work for people and some of you have 
you know, black skin and white skin and whatever skin. And, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. But when you and I get isolated, we take on this like complex of like, I am the only one who has this revelation about how messed up my church is. <laughs> but the trouble is when you leave the messed up church, it's only slightly less messed up than when you were there. <laughs> because you just took up part of the slightly messed up problem because you haven't noticed that church is made up of people and people can be a little bit. Have you met people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Human. Human. <laughs> Well, I would go to a church if it was perfect. Well, they wouldn't want you there if they were. Family, do you understand? Family has nothing to do with perfection. Nothing at all. When I think of my family, I'm not thinking about my children. It's like, that kid is perfect. What? No, but they're my child. No, no, but they have weaknesses and strengths, and, but they, they belong already. And you belong in God's family. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, it says... The body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. Mm-hmm. And so the devil's going to get you like looking at the person on stage or looking at the person who's doing this and like, why can't I do that? I wish that I was special. Sure. And then he gets you to leave because you get all like jealous of them and you try to do what they do, but it doesn't work out. And God's like, you haven't even tried what you're good at yet. You don't even know yet because you won't let me. Yeah. And you isolate yourself and go wander around with a, a lone chopped off hand in the trees. That's creepy. And you get all, then you get all mad at all the people who, no. That was weird. If the foot says I'm not part of the body, I'm not a hand. It doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? And so this, this gets a little bit weird because you, you tend to see eye to eye, pun intended, I guess, <laughs> with people who have the same sort of gifting as you do. Yes. You really have to learn to appreciate somebody who doesn't because you need them. Yep. You, you need them. If they agreed with everything that you agreed with, you wouldn't be able to smell anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. Right. Everybody say, he wants it. He wants he wants it. Just where... Not where you wanted it, where he wants it. Why? Because you didn't design you. He designed you. And as soon as you find that out, then you're like, wait, 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 wait. So I actually have to go to God to hear about, I have to actually go to the body to find out how I'm designed to find out how I function. But you can't find out how you function wandering around in the bush. And so, so it's this whole idea of this integration, this beautiful integration. But how many people know that belonging in a family is a little tricky sometimes? It's very difficult to be part. It's very difficult to go to a great church. But it's worth every, it's worth everything that you can do there. How strange would the body be if it only had one part? Yeah, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some of the p- parts of the body, I'm preaching to somebody today, um, that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. You don't understand that, that you don't see the heart, but man, it does a lot. Some of you, you're behind the scenes. You're just connecting people in love and you don't want, ever want to stand on a stage that freaks you out, but the things that you do are things that I don't do. Mm-hmm. And we need you. We need, we need your gift in the body. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members. So that all the members 
care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. And then it says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help one another. To one person, there's the ability to, you know, I mean, there's wisdom and there's faith and there's healings. And And when all these things work together, they work together to give you the benefit of of not just the gift God gave you, but the gift God gave everybody. And how powerful that is. Um, it says in verse 11, it is, one, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So let me get down to, kind of to the meat of the sermon here. One thing that you and I have to learn to appreciate um, with our family, your family situation, whatever it looks like, is that you ultimately have to give up control of the final say. So... You know, I know every man kind of wants to be the Lord of his little castle, but you have to give that up. You have to, mom, you, you want your kids to think that you're, you know, a Greek goddess or something. And they do when you're three. But, but you have to learn to give up the final say because there's only one head of the family family. And everything after that is a stewardship, which means we're all answerable. Our names are in boxes like, hey, why didn't this go right? And I feel the weight of that every day, like, hey... God's not coming to my kids to ask me how my family turned out. He's coming to me and it puts a fear of God on me. And like, I better get this right. So for me to love my family property, I better understand how it works in the church. I better get the race car and the race driver working. And, 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 and the beautiful thing about these, these uh, Formula One racers is they, they have people talking intel in their ear. Yes. Like, hey, accident ahead, accident ahead, accident ahead. Because yeah. sometimes, you know, we don't know that we're on the Titanic. We don't know. Like accident ahead, accident ahead, or like, hey, push, push, push. There's time they're having car trouble. Get in, get in. And and the way that God coordinates all these things together, it's masterfully done, but he's working out of an endless supply of power and understanding. So let me explain. You know, the reason you have to, the reason I have to in my family is give up the final say. And the first thing I ever did, like, man, I I tell girls this all the time. Don't ever marry a man without a pastor. Because he's going to want to be your pastor. And that gets a little weird. <laughs> and so um, the first thing I did, one of the first things I did when we got married, uh, Pastor Aaron and I, we started having kids. I went to, to my, my pastor, who, who was my dad. That's an odd relationship. You know, sometimes he's my dad, sometimes he's my pastor. Which hat is he wearing? I got to figure all that out. You know, I went to him and I said, anytime you, it was the best thing I ever did. Anytime you need to correct me about anything. You need to know about my, our finances as a family. You see me talking to Aaron in a way that, you see me discipline my kids in a way, or you see me not discipline. I'm like, any time you need to say anything to me, say it. And I presented it in a way I'm like, you wouldn't like withhold the gift, would you? Like you, you love me. You say you love me, so you would tell me, right? And I say that now. My dad's not my pastor anymore. I'm actually his pastor, which is really weird. Now I get him to do all the things that I don't want to do. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm my pastor, and I give that same permission away. Like, anything that you need to say, say, because I'm ultimately a steward. And I'm going to answer if I don't get this right, but I'm ultimately not responsible. God is. And every time I'm like, hey, I give permission away, God is like, hey, good, now I can come and take over. Because some of us, we're trying to run our families with our own anointings. And your own anointing is going to run out right about the time your kid hits 12. <laughs> Everybody thinks that their parents are amazing until they meet other kids' parents, and they're like, my parents got problems. <laughs> and then when they're teenagers, they don't go with all that stuff that you used to tell them about. Yeah. How babies are born and all that other stuff. Come on now. Yeah. 
You need some help. Now, this is, this is how I think that it works. If, if I have the final say, that makes me the center of the family. And if a kid is the center of a family, that's not good. You know, Christ should be the center of your family. But I don't even think that your family should be the center of your family. I'm going to explain it to you in the way that I feel like the Holy Spirit showed it to me. Life is like a wheel. And the connection, which is why you're here. If you don't know this, you're here to connect with God and people and that's it. And if you don't connect with God and people, like your entire life, you'll spend your entire life and you'll live a life with regrets, but never filling your soul because you're here to connect with God and people and that's it. So how I look at that is like a, it's like a wheel with the rubber on the outside that where the rubber meets the road is your connection. Now, a wheel shouldn't be off of that road. It should be on the road, you know, like 100% of the time, connecting, connecting, connecting. But what happens sometimes is the devil wants to get in there and, and start misshaping the wheel. Because if he can misshape the wheel and it's not a, a perfect circle anymore, it's not balanced. It's not the way that God designed it. And it starts going like yeah. this. And then all of a sudden your connection starts to dip. And you're only connecting 40% of the time in your marriage. Come on, Venue Church. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden you start bouncing and you start bouncing. And if you're bouncing, you can't keep a straight line no. to where God wants you to go. No. You need connection and you need direction. Yeah. And, and without direction, you'll get off center and you'll find yourself at some destiny that God didn't plan for you. Mm. And so, um, so this is how I think about it. See, the spokes in the wheel are what happens. That's what, like when a rib gets out. And when something's out in your family, like something's probably out in your family right now, like breathing gets harder and connection gets harder. And somebody's trying to reach out and like, love you. And you're like, stop. Like, don't touch me. It hurts. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, I'm just trying to like tell you, I love you. They say something sweet to you. But you don't get it because you've got a nerve out and everything is just hitting triggers all the time in your life because God doesn't have all of you yet. And, and the wheel is getting out of out of sync here. Now think of the church and the body of Christ. So Christ is the head of the body and think of the body of Christ. Think about it like this. Think about it like this. The head, the head of Christ and the body of Christ is supposed to be, I, th I think this is how the spirit showed me, the hub of the wheel. Mm -hmm. Now, if it's the hub of the wheel, think about it like this. The church used to be in godly nations, the center of that nation, yeah. the center of a city. I don't mean like in the middle of the city. I just mean like it, it was the middle part that everything else came to mm -hmm. in a community. And, and what the, the job of that, that body of Christ is, is to make sure that all of the spokes are in the right uh, length yeah. Yeah. and the right distance from each other. And that there's enough oil and everything to keep the machine. Right. And you know this when you come to church. And you think that everything is great. And then you hear a sermon and it puts the ribs back in. And you realize, I wasn't breathing there, was I? I was starting to get a little panicky and a little weird. And I was starting to spend money that I didn't have. And I was starting to get angrier than I should have been. And whoo, every time that I come to church and I'm the pastor, I don't even know what God's going to do next. But it always has to do with this kind of chiropractic work of aligning things and getting things right. So that I don't have to work harder. I get to work smarter. Yeah. And, um. And when, when, see the devil, if the devil's main job in your life is to try to get anything else to be the hub, except for the body of Christ. So it sounds really good to Christians in North America. Like he's like, put your family in the middle there. You don't seem to understand that, that no, you're, you're, how does the church and the family work together? If your family is in the middle, it's still not the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Not the way that Jesus intended it and commanded it. It's not. 
And so if you put the family in the middle or your career in the middle or exercise in the middle or anything in the middle, it's going to start pulling that wheel out of shape because I have like my time with Alish is one of the spokes and my time with, you know, pastor Aaron is one of the spokes, my time with you and my, yeah. my career and all the things that take up my week and the devil wants the church to be one of the spokes. And how many people know that you don't go to church? You know, I Look, back in the old Pentecostal days, you know, like we used to live in church. <laughs> I hear people now like, I just, you know what, family is so important, I just don't have time to go to church. And I'm thinking, there's 168 hours in a week. And some of y'all go to church like half an hour every couple of weeks. Yeah, right. By the time you actually get there, <laughs> in the third song, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. come on. Yeah. And you spend like 1%. Of, of less than 1% of the week in the thing that's supposed to keep everything else flowing. So don't talk to me like you spend 50 hours a week in church because you don't. I mean, I was born under one of the pews in church. We were at church like Monday night and then there's Tuesday night. and then It's not like that anymore, you know? You go to like, oh, I'm too busy to go to small group. And God's like, for reals. Right. Yeah, I'm too busy to go to first Wednesday. Like once a month, like. And God's like, work smarter, not harder. Or you can run off into the ditch if that's what you want. Well, I was riding my motorcycle the other day, and I saw this thing. I thought it was a bear running across a field, but it wasn't. Somebody was hauling tires on the back of a trailer, and one of the tires was rolling across the field. Oh, my gosh. And I'm thinking, that's where the devil wants you, was out across the field, because you're not going to help anybody out there. Now, what happens is, this whole idea of separation of church and state, well, what happens, you know, the whole, I don't have time to get really into that, but what happens is that the, the devil wants society to revolve around not the church anymore. And so then like, hey, government wants to be that hub or healthcare wants to be that hub or, 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 or pleasure or hockey or anything else. He doesn't care if it, what it is. It can look good. It can be your family. It can be, it can be you. Anything that's not the church, but everything was supposed to come back to the church for its moral compass. Everything was supposed to come back to the church and be like, I mean, government leaders were supposed to come to the church and be like, hey, I got a big decision to make. I don't know what to do. And uh, we're going to lose some people this way. We're going to lose some people this way. Can you pray for me and tell me what God says? Yes. I mean, it was supposed to be this thing that keeps everything working together. Now, um, please, as, I, as I, I'm probably disagreeing with maybe even something that you've said before. It's not too late for you to change your mind. <laughs> Take it from a pastor's kid. Um, First of all, don't bend my ears back with how much you love your family if you don't love God's family. Oh, yeah. That's don't tell me, I love, oh, I love my family. My family is the most important thing to me. And God's like, my family is the most important thing to me, too. And you're a small part of that family, but you got to fit in to the family, too. So whenever I hear somebody say, like, I'm choosing between church and family and my family is more important. First of all, just A, it's not true. Because if you loved your family, you do whatever God said to do with that family. And B, your family doesn't belong to you anyways. And I just want to be the one to tell you that so you don't wake up when your kid's 15 and doesn't like you anymore. Because they don't go to youth and they don't have youth leaders telling them the same thing that you've been telling them all this time. But they don't care about you anymore when they're 15. But they do care about them. This the same, this, this, this message, this unity, this everything working in harmony together. Don't you have enough decisions to make, moms and dads? Don't you have enough decisions to make that you can screw up? We had a Sunday, we had a venue kids teacher, right? I, I feel like the opening, the, the opening page on venue kids material ought to be don't screw up other people's kids. Like, cause we have a fear of God about teaching your kids the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ, but they need that. Um, now listen, can I say this here? 
Don't try to pastor your kids if you're not a pastor. Right on. I have watched this. Generations I have watched this happen. And, and um, uh, some of the kids in a little bit uh, younger than I was, their parents started to be this like, you know, dad's like, I, I'm, I'm my kid's pastor. I'm like, yeah, unless you're not a pastor. Unless God didn't even call you to be a pastor. You're a shepherd. Sure you are. Small group leaders are shepherds. You know what I mean? Like, sure you are. But that's different than God calling somebody to lead your family spiritual. Completely different than that. That, that you're supposed to come in underneath of. And I tell young girls all the time, don't marry a man without a pastor. Because then he's going to be answerable to himself only. I'm like, no, he needs to be answerable. Come on now. He needs to be answerable to pastors and to small group leaders and to brothers. And be like, what are you doing? That's not how you treat your family. Or like, hey, great job out there. You can do this. We can beat this addiction together. That's what the body is supposed to do. Now, every family I've ever heard who isolated their family from their local church, you ready? Every single one. So you're not going to be the 151st one that has a different story. Mm, Well, pastor, I'm special. You won't be out there. Not for long. Every single family who isolated themselves from the church God called them to either lost their family or God lost their family to the enemy. And I say it like this. Before you have a little fear of the Lord, because I do. Like nobody's tempted to leave the church more than the pastor is, guys. Because <laughs> you all got problems. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm going to explain our family dynamics really quickly here. But there are biblical reasons for leaving a church, but there are not many. And my own board can kick me out for those biblical reasons. And you would know it. But it's not because I preach a sermon that hurts your feelings that would help your life. And help you reach your destiny by the grace of God. Come on, say amen if any church. Amen. <laughs> so this is what I say. Before you, you know, I think to myself, before I would ever leave the place that God wants me to be, I'd have to pick like three out of four of my kids and be like, y'all aren't going to ever go back to church again. Because I'm going to make you bitter about it. One of you might come back later. But I'm like, well, how many kids would I like to sacrifice to that? To pull them out of a perfectly good church, like not perfect, but perfectly great family. Pull them out and then wander around in the trees for a little bit. And try to get some private revelation from God. And God's like, just be part of the army. That's where the protection is. That's where the power is. All right. The time spent in church brings order to all the rest. It reminds us it is not our family. It is God's. And we need to be good stewards and not entitled knuckleheads. It doesn't belong to you. So quit acting like it. It reminds us every single time that what we don't know can destroy our family. And that we definitely don't know of everything. It's good. It brings personal health and perspective and power. Without which... Here's the kick. We will wreck our own families. Yeah. That's scary. It brings outside influences speaking the same things so your kids still get good guidance when they're not getting along with you. And it keeps you grateful for the gifts that other people have, and that's super yeah. important. Yeah. And w- my favorite part, it negates the law of negatives. And the law of negatives is this. Your weakness multiplied by 10 gets into your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And the church family makes that not happen. Right. My weakness plus Pastor Aaron's weaknesses, hey, hey, we offset each other a lot, but there are things we're both weak at. Multiply it maybe by 20 and hand it to my kids. And I'm like, I don't want that. They better go to youth group. Yeah. They better be involved in small groups. They better be in the pipeline. Now, um, I know I'm going a bit long here, but you've got nothing else to do. You're locked down. Now, my family dynamics are a little bit different. And I feel like some people, sometimes the sheep in the church feel like they have the same dynamics as the shepherd, but it's not really. But... Um, I do have to choose sometimes, but um, I'm talking about like the primary leadership of a church, for instance. I do have to choose sometimes, but it's more like we have our eight to five jobs, which is running a church. Then we have evenings and then we have weekends, like every weekend. Mm -hmm. 
Come on, Ben. You yeah. Don't shove me down, you prayer do. corner. You, do. you get your five bucks after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we're on call for when your life goes off the rails. And, and above all these things, the devil is trying to kill our family, like particularly taking a lot of care to try to get to us. Yeah. So it's a lot of pressure in, in, in our family. Now, we can't, we're running a business that can't fail for practical reasons, for money reasons, for moral reasons, for ethical reasons, and for spiritual reasons. And it's a family too. And when things go wrong, God comes knocking on my door and being like, what's, what happened? That's a scary thing. You know, behind the scenes, we're soldiers. And listen, we got our own problems and we got your problems and we live in a fishbowl. (laughs) Now I'm not choosing between my family and God's family. Ready? Ready? I don't have to choose because I don't think God ever wanted me to. And I don't think there's ever a conflict. I think when there's a conflict, it's my problem. And I just need to go and find out what God wanted and what God intended. But we organize our life around our local church. I'm never choosing between my family and God's family. Listen, sometimes, sometimes we have to choose between, I have to choose between my family and your family. Mm. Now, right? Sometimes on Tuesday nights, if, if I'm just like, I, I have an appointment. It's not because I don't love you. It's because if I, if I don't say I have an appointment, which is just to hang out and watch a movie with my kids, they don't get to see me. Right. And when you think about this, this is where the dynamic shifts a little bit, is that Pastor Aaron has to share me with you. And she's happy to do it, but she can't do it all the time. Yeah. And, and I share her with you. Mm-hmm. And every time that she helps one of you and, and the Holy Spirit fixes your marriage problem, she got to go back down to our marriage problem yeah. that gave her the wisdom to help you fix your marriage problem. Yeah. And it takes something out of our family. And our, we share our kids with you too. Yeah. They lead your kids small groups. And, they, and so, so have a little, but listen, when we build church right, I don't have to choose between my family and your family because you care for each other. And small groups and you get pastored, you get all the care that God wants for you. And it's not us having to do all of that. Now, I I am my daughter's only father. So I do have to take time right now. It's a crucial time in their lives right now. And so sometimes I have to do this. I am my wife's hopefully only husband. That's a pretty important role that I have to take. And I understand that, but I'm not choosing between them and God's family. I'm choosing sometimes between my family and your family. That's where the dynamic shifts a little bit. Listen. I want you to get in, in the game at Venue Church. I want you to get involved, not spectate from the stands. There's Amen. no destiny up Come there. That's good. God has been waiting for you to put his body at the center of your life so that you can get the connection and get to the destiny he wants you to be at. There are so many things, in, in, uh, there are so many things that God can't do for you until his body is the center of your family. Yeah. Father, I just pray for everybody here that you would change our hearts and our minds about things we have misunderstood about that. I pray that... Lord, that, that they would, uh, our, our entire congregation, everybody watching would understand, like, look, I'm not speaking this out of a place. I'm just, I love people so much. I got to tell them the truth about how this actually looks when it you, runs out there. But God, you have made all these plans. There's no conflict in your mind. And we love you, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for the time we were able to spend together. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, Venue Church. We love you. We'll see you soon. We'll see you next week.